everyone, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Dina. Welcome to The Grim Curriculum. Hello, hello. So, uh, after we recorded yesterday, it was icy. Yeah. And I fucking biffed it in front of Charlotte's house. I just showed her my knee. I wish we were on video right now so I could show all of you. It's gnarly. It's it's pretty rough. And you said that it swelled all up and everything. Yeah, it feels better now. So, like, I've got that <sighs> going for me. But, like, dang. It's uh, it's treacherous out there, folks. Yeah, Be watch, careful. watch your step out there on the ice. If uh, you're in the Edmonton area, then you might have seen yesterday, I think it was, we had an extreme fog warning and a freezing mist advisory. That's scary. That's like Silent Hill shit, but Canadian. Very much so. Anyway, I know we always talk about the weather, but it seems to be a hot topic in Alberta these days. Because it's grim, Charlotte. It's so grim out there. Oh, it is. But today, we have a truly badass story for you. It involves a mother's love, the hunt for justice, and the cartel. Today, we will be covering the story of Miriam Rodriguez Martinez, a woman on a mission. Miriam's life was turned upside down when her youngest daughter, Karen, was kidnapped and murdered by the cartel. When she saw that there would likely be no justice, she took matters into her own hands. She spent years tracking down the people responsible for the death of her daughter and ultimately was quite successful, so much so that she became a hero in the eyes of many, especially the family members of people who had met a similar fate. Her personal mission for revenge would ultimately result in her death on Mother's Day 2017 when she was gunned down outside of her home. Our story begins at 4 a.m. on January 24th, 2014. I feel like no good thing happens at 4 a.m. Do you know what I mean? No, when the phone rings at 4 a.m., it's never a good thing. No. So Miriam received a phone call from her oldest daughter, Azalea, She explained that Karen had been kidnapped by the Los Zetas drug cartel. As it turns out, two trucks pulled up beside her while she was driving. A group of armed men forced their way into her car and drove off with her. They then took her to the Rodriguez home and bound her with rope. The plan was interrupted at one point when a friend of the family stopped by to do some scheduled maintenance on the car that they had. Sadly, he wasn't able to save Karen, but would later prove to be a valuable witness. Karen would never be seen alive again. Initially, Miriam was told that if she paid the ransom of $77,000, her daughter would be returned to her unharmed. Karen's loved ones wanted her back desperately, and they took out a loan. This was such a common thing that banks in the area actually offered loans specifically for this reason. Holy shit, talk about giving you a pill to numb the pain but not solving the problem. Right? (laughs) Oh my god. The family was instructed to drop the money off at a local clinic and then wait for further information at a graveyard. They fully expected to see Karen again soon. It's never going to be good when they want to meet you in a graveyard. No, I feel like that is a very ominous foretelling of the possibility of the future. Sadly, they did not return her daughter. Desperate for answers, Miriam reached out and asked for a member of the cartel to meet with her so that she could find out some more information. Shockingly, someone agreed. The man told her that he would give her the answer she wanted in exchange for $2,000. Miriam was desperate and agreed to pay the fee. When she gave them that money, they demanded $500 more. The man gave her absolutely nothing to go off of except this name, Sama. The friend of the family was able to confirm that Sama was involved. He had seen him that day at the house. Miriam spoke to Azalea and told her that she believed Karen was dead. 
Many would have accepted this terrible tragedy and attempted to rebuild their lives. But Miriam, as it turns out, was not that kind of lady. Instead, she vowed to get revenge on those responsible for her daughter's death. Not only that, Miriam swore that she would make it happen herself. She was no stranger to the danger of the cartel. In 2011, Los Zetas had murdered nearly 200 people on one occasion, many of whom had been kidnapped from buses, and surrounding ranch areas had been turned into mass graves. So we'd like to take a sidebar here and talk about this particular event for a second because it's truly horrifying. From March 24th to 29th, numerous buses were hijacked and those aboard were kidnapped. The women on board were tortured, sexually assaulted, and then killed. Men who were considered able-bodied were given weapons and forced to fight to the death. The winners were recruited into Los Zetas as hitmen. Then they'd send them on missions where they were to target members of rival gangs and shoot them on sight. The majority of them ended up dying at the hands of these gangs, joining the ever-growing amount to those lost to gang violence. The total amount of victims would not be known until June of 2011, when eight mass graves were discovered, and this was not an isolated incident. Miriam's son, Luis, had relocated to Ciudad due to this, but Karen stayed behind to continue her education. She also worked with her mother at their family business, and the two were very close. To me, this story really boils down to how far we would go to protect our loved ones and family. In my eyes, Miriam was an absolute hero, and I'm shocked that more people don't know this story. Cody and I were just talking about it before recording, actually, because he had asked who we were covering today, and I, I told him Miriam, and he said, you know, I think if anything ever happened to Buffy, that he would definitely go on a revenge mission for her. Right? Like, I mean, you think about how far you would go for your family, and this is someone who, she didn't just talk about it, like, she did it. Oh yeah, she definitely did. Miriam changed her entire appearance by cutting her hair and dyeing it bright red. She started her search online through social media, and soon enough, she found Sama on Facebook and began looking through his friends list. She saw a woman who he was interacting with often and noticed that she was wearing a uniform for an ice cream store. She went full greatest detective dark night on this shit. Oh yeah, she was deep sea diving for information. Miriam found the store and began waiting outside. One day, Sama arrived to see his friend. Rather than confront him directly, she followed him home. Now, she had two pieces of information, his first name and his address, and she went from there. Knowing where he lived wasn't quite enough, so she disguised herself as a health ministry worker who was visiting the neighborhood conducting a poll. She donned a uniform she had from an old job of hers and set out to talk to as many people as possible. Man, the disguises too? Amazing. That's the thing. Like, she is doing investigating. There's disguises involved. Like, it's this is like something out of a really, really awesome movie, but it's a tragic real-life story. No kidding. It was around this time that she once again attempted to get help from the local police, but found that she was ignored. After all, the disappearance of Karen was not a one-off thing. This is something that was sadly a very common occurrence. According to some of the sources we found, there are around 70,000 missing people whose disappearances were related to the cartel during this time, and some sources say as high as 100,000. She didn't show up empty-handed either. She had the eyewitness account from the family friend, as well as the information she had been able to dig up during her visit around Sama's neighborhood. 
Eventually, she was able to find someone who was working for the police and actually had an interest in helping her. A warrant for Sama was eventually issued for his involvement with the cartel. However, before police were able to arrest him, he simply vanished. By sheer coincidence, Karen's brother Luis was finishing up work one day when he happened to spot Sama. He called the police and he was arrested. It didn't take long before Sama started giving out all of the information that he had to the police. He gave the names of those who were involved in Karen's kidnapping, including 18-year-old Zapata Gonzalez. And they mentioned that Miriam was shocked that this kid was so young. And when she talked to him, like, she tried to use her, like, motherly instincts to get him to give her information. She was eventually given the location of a ranch where Karen had allegedly been taken. When she arrived, she was shocked to see an abandoned farmhouse riddled with bullet holes. Not only that, she found something that made her stomach drop. Karen's scarf. An excavation was done of the property, and it revealed a huge amount of bodies that had been buried, but none of them were Karen. However, Miriam refused to believe that there was no more evidence of her daughter being there. She pushed for a second excavation. This time, Karen's femur was unearthed. Unfortunately, that was all. Until one day when Miriam and Azalea were eating at a restaurant not far from where the remains were located. During this time, she spoke to a lady named Elvia. This conversation seemed off to Miriam, so she began to investigate her as well. It turned out that she had been dating someone who was related to the kidnapping. Not only that, she was able to confirm that the kidnappers had been making calls from her house. This resulted in the arrest of Alvaya Yalzia for her involvement in the crime. Miriam realized that some justice could be found. However, it would be up to her to track down the rest of those that were part of her daughter's murder. She developed a method for finding them. This led to the arrests of even more people. Including Enrique Flores, she went as far as finding his grandmother and getting information from her. She revealed that he was a born-again Christian who attended Mass regularly at a specific church. She followed him there and sat in the back during Mass, studying his behavior and every move. Miriam would often befriend family members or friends of those involved and then get information about them that way. And here's the really crazy thing about all this. She did this totally alone. There were no bodyguards or police escorts. Simply a woman in her 50s wearing a disguise. I think, in part, at the very least, the reason she was able to sort of go unnoticed is because if you've seen a picture of Miriam, she genuinely just looks like a normal mom. Yeah, she looks like a mom. So she just blends right in. And with, like, a little bit of a change to her hair or her makeup or her outfit, she just becomes a different mom. So she doesn't stand out. And she works that to her advantage. On another occasion, she followed a well-known florist to the border of Texas and Mexico. She knew that he was involved in some way. Determined to ensure he did not escape into the United States, she decided to chase him down. He saw her and immediately took off. However, he was no match for Miriam, who tackled him to the ground and kept him there at gunpoint until the police arrived to arrest him. The florist revealed that Karen's body had been disposed of by being dissolved in a vat of acid. He claimed that her remains would never be found. It wasn't before long that she was getting death threats on a regular basis. 
This, however, didn't stop her. After three years of hunting, she was able to bring almost every one of the ten people proven to be involved in Karen's death to justice. Along with that, she was determined to locate more of her daughter's remains despite the information she was given. She wanted the truth so that her family could finally give her a proper burial. Sadly, this would never happen. Finding bodies, as it turned out, was easy. Identifying them was not. One of the reasons for this was due to the sheer amount of corpses being found in some of these mass graves. That made me think about our Luis Garavito series and how most of his victims were never identified simply because of the sheer volume of them. And that was in the hundreds. Like, we're talking about tens of thousands of people here. Literally a needle in a haystack. When Miriam was done, she realized her mission was far from over. She then began to dedicate her life towards helping families who had been put through the same torture she had. She then founded the Vanished Collective. Throughout the country, there were countless families that had been through this with little justice and even less answers. When asked, officials often tried to make it seem like those involved in the violence had brought it upon themselves, but it really couldn't be further from the truth. Many of those killed by cartels were completely innocent, simply just unlucky enough to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. What it came down to for most people was that they simply wanted closure in the form of the body of their loved ones so that they could give them a proper burial. However, due to the sheer amount of bodies being processed, many were labeled improperly or even just lost. Families would submit DNA samples to officials in the hopes that this would aid in the identification of a body. However, these samples also went missing or were just simply ignored until they were no longer viable. Another complication that would often arise was simply not knowing where to look for remains. The thing that was different about Karen was that it was well known where the rest of her body likely was. Miriam pushed officials to continue searching the ranch where Karen's femur bone was found. As well, she had seen remains that she believed belonged to Karen being collected with her own eyes. They simply just needed to be compared to the others, a task that proved to be almost impossible. By March of 2014, the majority of Los Cedas had been taken down by officials and the power of the group was nowhere near what it once had been. There were no further breaks in the case until July of that year. Three ribs were located near the spot the femur was found. Miriam was convinced that they belonged to Karen and asked government officials to assign a forensic analyst to hopefully provide some answers. It took months, but someone was able to finally look at the ribs and compare the DNA from them to the DNA that Miriam and Luis had provided. On January 7th, 2015, they were given the news that the ribs were indeed Karen's. However, they were skeptical. A part of them was happy to know that they were one step closer to burying her entire body, but in the back of their minds, they worried that the results were a lie. Something made up just so that they would stop asking about it. And you can't blame them because I can only imagine the lack of trust they had at this point. You know, when it came out that the three ribs turned out to be Karen's, I was like, I wonder though, you know, based on the treatment they've had so far, it wouldn't be above authorities in this particular case to be like, just shut them up already. Yeah, give them something to go off of. And I mean, really, like they... They thought that maybe they fudged the report or that, you know, something else shady had been going on, but I don't blame them. No. 
Miriam explored her options further and found that in some cases, family members were allowed to get DNA results from various sources. So eventually, she arranged for the bones to be taken to a reputable lab near Washington, D.C. Something else that would make it difficult to find the rest of the remains was that there was no actual database that noted when and where remains were collected. Not only that, it was almost impossible to track what happened to them once they were found. In March of 2015, Miriam reached out to a Mexican organization called the State Commission for Human Rights. This group would pride themselves on the fact that they were there to protect the people and not the government. Like many others before her, Miriam urged them to push for an inquiry. She wanted some sort of documentation made to show the level of corruption and incompetence she had witnessed from the government. She filed an official complaint that noted every move she had made, including each time she asked investigators for help and was ignored. I can't even begin to imagine the level of frustration she must have felt during this point because she knew for a fact where the bones were. If they had found bones already, it was very unlikely that she was dissolved in acid like the florist had said. She had all of the information that they needed to put this case to rest and give Karen a proper burial, but those in charge just didn't do anything about it. I also now wonder if this florist said, yeah, they dissolved her in acid because he'd been watching, like, too much Breaking Bad. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. as much as we've heard of people being dissolved in acid before, I wonder if a lot of it is just, like, urban legend. You know, people don't actually do that. If, if it had happened, let's play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. if they were dissolving people in acid, they were probably doing it to so many people that this florist was like, yeah, that sounds like something we might do. Totally. Or like, yeah, I've heard of that before, so like that tracks. By this point, Miriam is not only a full-on enemy of the cartel, but many government officials weren't too fond of how outspoken she was about her views on them. She was putting herself in a dangerous position in her search for the truth, and she knew it. She told a friend, I died the day they killed my daughter. I want to end this. I'm going to take out the people who hurt my daughter, and they can do whatever they want to me. This is some, like, Liam Neeson level shit. Very much so. Very much, uh, yeah, Taken slash John Wick slash, I don't know, badass lady alert. Yeah, honestly, Liam Neeson wishes. Quite, yes, quite frankly. In March of 2017, Miriam received some very concerning news. 29 inmates had dug a tunnel out of the prison where Karen's abductors had been kept. This obviously worried her. She had been responsible for so many arrests and fully expected that they would come after her first in an act of revenge. She reached out to officials and asked for police protection. She was given an armed escort to attend to her at all times, but it just wasn't enough. On May 10th, which happens to be when Mother's Day is celebrated in Mexico. You can't tell me that's not on purpose. Right? Honestly, that, like, I hate that. I do too. It's like, you little fuckers, you're like, we'll get her. We'll get her on fucking Mother's Day. And I think the escape, like, obviously I don't know this. I personally think the escape was planned for that reason so that they could come and find her on Mother's Day. Very much so. So Miriam was slowly making her way to the front door of her house. Not long prior, she had broken her foot while chasing a suspect and was on crutches. Suddenly, a white Nissan pulled up in front of the house. A group of the escaped inmates got out of the vehicle and made their way towards her. Miriam Rodriguez was shot approximately 12 times. They then drove off. She was found by a family member in the driveway. 
Her hand was still in her purse, likely reaching for the gun that she kept in it at all times. The reaction of the community was pure rage. The governor at the time, Javier Garcia Cabeza de Vaca, tweeted about her death, saying, The government will not allow the death of Miriam Rodriguez to turn into yet another statistic. A memorial was created for her, and officials vowed to find those responsible for her murder. Eventually, two of the men involved in her death were arrested and charged. Another was killed in a gunfight, but was confirmed to have also been involved before his death. Despite Miriam's death, her legacy was continued as best as her loved ones could do. Louise took over the support group, which at the time of her death had over 600 active members. Unfortunately, her murder was a haunting reminder of the dangers of fighting against the cartel. Many members of the group began to fear for their own lives and people began leaving. Eventually, the group disbanded fully. A week before she was killed, she had taken down another member. Not only that, a month after her death, a woman was arrested thanks to a tip she had given months prior. I think that's honestly amazing because like, yes, they were able to quote unquote stop her by ending her life. But even in death, she was taking these motherfuckers down. And that is the story of Miriam Rodriguez. Badass extraordinaire. Yeah, really. How you feeling about this? I'm very sad that they got her in the end, but what a force of nature she fucking was. That's a mother, man. Like, that is someone who loved and loved and someone took away her child and she was out there to get them and she did not stop even after she died she didn't stop i know i don't know if you've seen there's like a a video it's kind of a meme on tiktok and it's uh a bunch of moms being asked being interviewed whether or not they would kill for their child and it's so funny how some moms are like your fucking rights i would and some moms are like oh my god i would never and it's like miriam was not one of the second ones no (laughs) no 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 i mean miriam didn't kill But she fucking tracked those bastards down. Honestly, she would have if she could have, I feel like. I think in those final moments how they said she was likely reaching for the gun in her purse, she would have killed them to protect herself. This is, it's a frustrating story. It is, yeah. What makes it so much more sad is Karen was just one of many victims because they were able to get justice for her in some way, which is more than others who were going through the same thing. But I just can't imagine having to fight for what's right in a way like this. Especially when even authorities are against you. Like, you know, a lot of the times the police are very corrupt and they're all taking bribes and things too. And how can you even fight against that? You don't know who you can trust. I Mm -hmm. mean, that's why she did so much of this by herself because it didn't take long until she realized, I don't know who's safe here. Yeah. Her determination and sheer inner strength is something really to admire. There's no doubt about that. I'm going to say this was one of my more challenging cases to research. There was a lot of conflicting information, so I invite all of you, if you happen to know more about this case than we do, to correct me uh, if I was wrong on anything at all. But I took the most consistent information I could find, and I, I really hope that we told Miriam's story well today. Yeah, we'll leave you with that by saying that woman was one hell of a mother and a detective. She yep. was like a Sherlock Holmes on a mission, and I respect it infinitely rest in peace karen rest in peace miriam it's it's a truly truly sad story and really 
the cartel, fucking terrifying. Them getting people off the buses, and you can look up all of the things that they've done and the crimes that have been committed. I read that there was one day uh, during this time where police had tracked 299 murders in a single day. How do you even track that? That's just it. Like, you have to think about the fact that, okay, I'm, again, I'm playing devil's advocate. The police were completely incompetent for the most part here. But when you're dealing with 299 murders in one day, you don't have enough police for that no matter what. No, absolutely not. So we got a few things coming up for y'all. We do. Um, We had a case we were going to cover next week. And then I learned about a really, really crazy alien story i want to share with y'all next week Ooh, hell yeah it's been a while since we've done a, an alien or a ufo story right and it's time for another one and this one it scared me yeah dina was telling me about it i hadn't heard of it before and i'm gonna try not to look too far into it because i like to react yes as i we want record. your reaction i really so do. i'm gonna do my best not to peek um, but I'm excited to talk about it it's gonna scare the fucking pants off you dude like it is oh, scary shit. it's a creepy one shit we want to take a second to thank our lovely, lovely Grim VIPs and up on Patreon. You guys are amazing. Thank you all for showing all the support. Charlotte and I are working on spicing up the Patreon page a fair bit. So those of you who are on there and those of you who are not, if there is something you want to see on there or something you think you'd enjoy, email us thegrimcurriculum at gmail.com. One thing that we're working on that is a huge goal of ours for this year is having some delicious, nutritious video content for all of you. Yes, that seems to be the piece of the puzzle that we're missing. 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 Apparently, y'all like to see our faces. I'm not really sure why. Because we're cute, man. I guess so. So, yeah, we're working on the video content. We have a plan in action. We're working on it, guys. Yeah, we actually have uh, some new people coming on board the podcast, not as hosts, not as not for the talking, but for the helping out on the back end. And that is going to, uh, I think, really be great. I can't wait. I can't believe we're going to have like little people on our team. Like, I that's love super it. Cool. Yes. But uh, it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year for us. So a huge thank you to Bob, Lisa, Atlantean Jedi, Brian, Hillary, Judy, Kevinus Musicus, and Mayhem, Mudkip. Y'all are amazing. 10 out of 10. The bees, knees, the titty city. Y'all didn't send me any fucking suggestions, so I'm just gonna have to look up some of my own. Yeah, cat's meow. The cat's meow. The dogs? pajamas and the meow. Ah, the dog's pajamas as well. Okay, we're gonna have to switch up the We're animals. gonna need to figure this out. We got this. We got this. The guinea pig's top hat. Oh, I like that. Yes. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been The The Grim Grim Curriculum. Today I have a fact to share with you. I think it's grim. I was very upset when I heard it. This is a fact about Arby's. No, I love Arby's. Oh my god. So it's not gross. Okay, good. But did you know that Arby's gets its name from the letters R-B and it stands for roast beef? I'm upset. I was so upset. I'm so upset. That's so lazy. I love it. And now y'all know about it too. Let me know if you're an Arby's fan. Dude, I fucking love that. (laughs) Bye. I was so fucking mad when (laughs) Shane told me that. I like sat there and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs)